You're listening to Professionalism Matters podcast series, where we discuss important matters impacting on our professionalism and remind ourselves why our professionalism really matters. Professionalism is the set of values, behaviours and relationships which underpins the trust the public have in doctors, nurses and health and social care professionals. In conversation with our expert guest, we shall explore some of the greatest dilemmas in professionalism and ethics in modern healthcare practice. And together with you, our audience, we hope to find some of the solutions. My name is Professor Dennis Harkin. I am a surgeon and chair of medical professionalism at the Centre for Professionalism in Medicine and Health Sciences at the Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland. This episode of Professionalism Matters is on empathy. Empathy may be defined as the ability to understand another person's emotions and respond appropriately. Empathy has two major components, affective empathy, also called emotional empathy, which is the ability to respond with an appropriate emotion to another's mental state, or cognitive empathy, which is the ability to understand another's perspective or mental state. The capacity to empathise is a revered trait in society. It is considered a motivating factor to be unselfish and for pro-social behaviour, whereas a lack of empathy is often regarded as something that would predispose you to antisocial behaviour. However, there are some risks. People can severely overestimate how much they understand others. We are also much more likely to empathise with those who are most similar to ourselves, and this can lead to a degree of unconscious bias. And furthermore, in the healthcare workers setting, caregivers must retain some degree of objectivity regarding the emotions of others. If we overinvest our own emotions in the other, we can risk emotional fatigue, exhaustion or even burnout. Today, I am delighted to be joined by our guest, Professor Pat Dolan. Professor Pat Dolan holds the prestigious UNESCO Chair in Children, Youth and Civic Engagement, the first to be awarded in the Republic of Ireland. The UNESCO Chair delivers a comprehensive programme of work towards the objective of promoting civic engagement leadership skills among children and youth. Professor Dolan is the Director of the Institute for Life Course and Society at the National University of Ireland in Galway and completed an extensive body of research on children, youth and family issues. Interests include civic engagement and empathy. His Activating Social Empathy programme aims to introduce empathy education in schools to help reduce bullying, discrimination, racial profiling and violence and increase young people's sense of belonging in school. And through his collaboration with actor Killian Murphy, patron of the UNESCO Child and Family Research Centre, They have produced a best-selling book, The Empathy Book for Ireland, with contributions from Ireland's President Michael D. Higgins and famous personages such as Hosier, The Age and Imelda May, along with citizens from all walks of life. Supported by the Irish-American Partnership, they plan to have this educational resource available in all secondary schools in Ireland. So with your permission, Pat, I'd like to chat to you day, today about something that matters to professionalism, that is empathy. We will explore your personal reflections, any insights you've gained, and we'd hope you can share lessons you've learned. 
with our listeners so they may cope better with situations they may face in future. And for the benefit of our listeners um, to consider the problem in depth, we shall use the reflective approach of what, so what, and now what. So to begin, Pat, we'll ask the first of those three steps, what, uh, a description of the event. I suppose, what is empathy in your world, and uh, how can a lack of empathy be harmful? Well, thanks very much, Dennis. And first of all, it's a, an honour, and thank you very much for the invitation to, to join your series and to, to talk with you about this. It's uh, Empathy is a topic in which I'm very passionate, um, and over the last eight, nine years, I'm still learning about it, but I'm, I'm learning fairly consistently. The, the most important first kind of what point around empathy is understanding exactly what it is, because it's a word that sometimes is used frequently, not for any uh, bad reason, but just not in an accurate way. So empathy is not sympathy. Sympathy, for, for example, is about how, you, how the plight of another person affects you. It's what you think its impact on you, your, your, your kind of sympathy effect is that you feel sorry for the other person, but it's about how you feel. Uh, and pity is not very, it doesn't, it's not really a good currency. It doesn't have any currency in life. So the first thing is to be aware that uh, empathy is not sympathy. And as you quite rightfully pointed out, empathy is the capacity um, to get into the space of the other person, to empathize, to really feel what they're feeling and understand what the other person is feeling. So it's a capacity, uh, it's not just about walking in the other person's shoes, which is often a term that's used. It's actually about engaging yourself to, to understand or try and understand the emotions of the other person, the plight of the other person. Effective empathy then is not just about uh, uh, understanding it, it goes beyond cognitive. It really is about uh, thinking about emotional action. And that's really, as a social researcher, what interests me. What is it makes young people go from cognitive to effective empathy? That's a really interesting question and something we're, we're, we're researching and designing studies on or services on on the basis of understanding that question. But if you think about it at a very basic level, when you think about it in, uh, from the what point of view, for most of us in our lives, um, when you're not shown empathy, when you want it from somebody, you very clearly know what it means when you have an expectation of it and you're disappointed that the person didn't uh, empathise with you. Um, I, uh, I grew up, I'm from Manor Street, inner city Dublin, uh, youngest of a very large family. Uh, I had a mother, my dad died when I was seven months old. My mother was a very caring, obviously a very caring woman to wear 10 kids in that context. But she, in my view, demonstrated what empathy is. She never refused anybody help. She always taught us to think of where the other person was coming from, really about engaging with that idea of the other. And sometimes, as you mentioned, it's easier to like people who are like us. Jokingly, somebody says people buy dogs that look like them. You know, that we, 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 uh, we, it's much easier to get into that space. It's a lot harder to think about the other, who is somebody who is very distant from us and doesn't have the same views. And empathy is really about getting to understanding. And once you get to understanding, that opens the door of compassion. And compassion is just a beautiful, most beautiful space in our world. From the point of view of health professionals, it is crucially important, in my view, very, very much so, that we really engage with the word empathy and its connection to professionalism. 
um, I think this is really pertinent, and we'll probably get on to why I think that later, but it really is important. And if you know anybody listening here today, I'm sure yourself included, Dennis, anybody, you know, if you think back to your days in school, very simply, there was a teacher you can think of who showed empathy to you, who showed understanding, who showed compassion even. I certainly can think of that. There probably were other teachers who didn't provide empathy, who didn't, who were stern and didn't engage with you on a human level. And those teachers were paid the same, they had the same work conditions, they probably even looked the same, you know, but they did their job completely differently. Like, it's like two ends of the spectrum in life. So in terms of what empathy is, empathy is the capacity to engage emotion, take action in favor of somebody else and their plight. And ideally, it's the process by which we share compassion, which at a human level is probably one of the most important tools we have in life. Yeah, well, I think that makes a very great deal of sense, Pat. Uh, compassion is that wonderful uh, uh, emotion trait behavior uh, that not only uh, lets us understand, but we're moved to provide succor or provide support or, or, or care. Uh, so a very positive, very active um, uh, emotion and, and, and as such very valuable. Um, Pat, can I ask you, because obviously you're coming from a, a much broader base than, than just healthcare, uh, about educating the next uh, generation, the current generation, and, and, and changing society uh, over time, uh, the culture uh, and the way we behave towards each other. Um, you know, in healthcare, we've, we've had various attempts to select people uh, on the basis of who may appear to be more empathetic uh, in terms of selection for courses, uh, selection, selection for medical and nursing uh, uh, degrees. Uh, we've also looked at uh, providing education to try and improve empathy uh, whilst, once within those courses. Do you, do you believe empathy is an innate uh, trait that we, we, we are born with? Or, or is it something that we can, uh, that can be taught, essentially, Pat? Yeah, and it's a great question. And the evidence is overwhelming, first of all, that it is innate. That, you know, within, even within the animal kingdom, you can see the way uh, when a, 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 a baby animal is born, the way the mother will protect and will empathise and will, will show compassion. There's even examples of children falling into zoo parks where gorillas stroke them and are kind to them. So compassion, there is this innate, uh, what we know sadly and we know from history is that it can be taken out of you. And that's where hate speech comes in and uh, horrible things that we do not want in civic society. I come to this from a social science perspective, very much an applied social science perspective. So I'm really interested in the question of, um, of whether you can learn empathy. And the overwhelming evidence is absolutely you can learn it. And uh, this actually comes from the medical world because neuroscience has shown over the last 10 years particularly incredible uh, um, uh, evidence that particularly the adolescent brain is growing and that, uh, not that I know much about the plasticity of the brain, but that actually one of the things that you can learn in your adolescence is to be more empathic. So that really struck me and struck us in developing the Activate and Social Empathy program because we were saying, well, if you can learn it, um, what's school about anyway? What, what is our school system for? And we talk about whole child education or whole person education. And whereas you have well-being education in schools, which is great, of course, but well-being, again, is about how 
how you were doing your own wellness. It's not about the wellness of the other. We can think of high, very high-profile politicians who are seeking re-election as we record this in other countries who have absolutely nothing wrong with their well-being but have tragically little empathy for others. Yeah, yeah. So, so we, 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 and I'm not going to mention any names, people can work that out for themselves. The, the, um, but I mean, for me, what really strikes me about empathy education is that it's such a fantastic thing to think that um, you can learn empathy. It's really, it's, and it means for people who maybe haven't been kind in their life that they can redeem that side of their personality. And um, later we'll talk about what this means for, the, for, for health professionals, or my view on what it means for health professionals. But even thinking about the fact that the four components of the Activate and Social Empathy program are very simple. It's understanding what empathy is. What are the barriers in your life? What's stopping you from being empathic to somebody else and overcoming those barriers, obviously. Then practicing it, actually like you practice a muscle, um, and then you do social good. And that's really powerful. Uh, It's incredibly powerful. And on the Activating Social Empathy program, for example, a brilliant example is young people in Roscommon who have, uh, uh, in a particular part of East Roscommon, who have really taken on the plight of supporting new, new, the new Ukrainian community. And they recognised very quickly that older people, Ukrainians and adolescent Ukrainians, were the ones most likely to be racially profiled, believe it or not. And they took it on board immediately to take action. And uh, there are two Ukrainians playing GAA in a, in a club in Roscommon. And, you know, a great example of how just incorporating, not not, you know, and it's really really powerful education tool. We're delighted, and I have to give a call out to Annette Honan in the Department of Education in the the, the, the unit that divides, sorry, designs curriculum, because thanks to her support, and of course the support of Killian Murphy, who's a great patron, we now have it that from September, Empathy Education is in every secondary school in Ireland as part of the new SPHE curriculum. And we're re- in the University of Galway here, we're really proud of our contribution to that, as is Killian. So it's a great example of how education is vital. It does make a difference. You can learn it and you can implement it. Yeah, that's fantastic, Pat. And and, uh, uh, we we look forward to how that that work progresses and disseminates not only across Ireland, but internationally as well. Um, Before we move on to... um, now what um, in, in terms of lessons that we can draw from education into healthcare? We'll just uh, ask just briefly, and, and you've answered much of this already, uh, the so what. Uh, so if we don't have empathy, um, we often hear from the literature that uh, at two extremes we have those most empathetic individuals, those most caring uh, and, and giving individuals, and at the other end of the extreme we might have border on the personality disorders and the yeah. psychopathic uh, disorders. Um, if we don't have empathy in our lives uh, amongst children in those formative years, what are the dangers for us, for them, for their, their, their peers and, and for society then later on? Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, the, the, I mean, I don't want to sensationalise this, but I do have a fear, and it's not about, you know, the, the far right, just as simple as far right or far left. Even it's at a very basic level about how we treat each other as human beings is, is becoming more challenged all the time. Um, social media is a very powerful tool, but it's a very, you know, uh, it's uh, troublesome. Uh, let's be honest about it, because um, very often we put things online, say things online that you would never say to a person's face. So 
I think there is there are threats to this. Um, I would say it's funny, Mick Curran, who's a, a brilliant sergeant, breast cancer sergeant here in Galway, a great friend and colleague, and he and I have co-supervised a, a brilliant PhD student, Leonor Rodriguez. Mick and I were ta- Mick was talking to me about the fact that in the medical profession, he's dealing. If, you, if the, the biggest fear he has is not burnout and a lack of compassion in, in the medical profession, it's what he calls freeze in. What he means by that is that you get to the point where you're robotic, where because you're seeing this every day, it's like somebody who's making on a factory line. You know that you become immune. So personal immunity is something I would have a concern about in health professions. I do understand fully that you can't engage so much because the empathy fatigue will kill you that if you engage too deeply on a personal level in the, in the work that you have to do. I understand that. But I think having a guarantee of the balance is really important. And I, I had a lovely coffee last week with Suzanne Crow, who you know very well. And Suzanne and I were talking about, about this, that really it's about getting that balance right and having a checking system that you're being human to the extent that is appropriate, but the extent that makes a difference. And, you know, as Mick said to me, if you were the person with cancer, having having compassion from the person who's telling you you've cancer is vitally important. You couldn't put a, a price on that. It's absolutely valuable. And that's in the I'm saying that in the full context of not being a medic. Yeah. I'm saying that as a social scientist. Um, but I'm also saying it as a consumer of medical services with, with increasing speed as I get older. But um, so, I mean, and the, the kind of what next for bit for me, I'm actually in Cape Town and Joburg next week working with young people in townships where they're, they're going to the main schools to teach empathy to other young people. Brilliant project with uh, Helette Pieters um, sure. and Mark Brennan, fellow UNESCO chair at Penn State, a great colleague. So, I mean, the, the what next for me is really about how you know, under 4.7.1 of the SDGs about quality education, how we're, we're kind of bleeding pins in this in Ireland, we should feel good about it. It's not, we haven't won the World Cup or anything, but it's something we're doing right. And I, I think it's certainly something that I'm passionate about bringing elsewhere to other places and to, across the professional multidisciplinary system. Yeah, sure, absolutely. And you mentioned, obviously, Dr. Susan Crow, our uh, president of the Medical Council in Ireland, um, uh, sort of a critical care uh, anesthesiologist. And, uh, you know, she sees uh, at first hand uh, working with, with children and families, but also with uh, representing her colleagues, um, how that depersonalization can be a big problem, how that, um, that overinvestment in um, you know your career as as part of your personal identity, and then when things go wrong, uh, you know finding it very difficult to cope, and and, and, and that's a, a piece of work uh, that we're all engaged in. Um, in terms of uh, the lessons we can learn now, Pat, from you, uh, and obviously you've mentioned your fantastic uh, activating social empathy program, and uh, how could you see something like that uh, that has uh, proven benefits in education? How could that uh, be adapted? How could that contribute to to us in healthcare? Uh, and how we build or, or maintain empathy. Yeah, well, I, I, as you mentioned, Suzanne, there had a great chat with her about this, and, and she's really uh, keen to look at ways, and I know you were as well, Dennis, of maybe looking at how we could bring this forward. It was seen to me when you you know when you've got a simple recipe and it works very well, like your your granny's cooking, don't change it too much. We've done a randomised controlled trial. We've done a systematic literature review, you know, on the program we've developed. So we've you know we've pretty heavy science to back that this works, that it makes a difference. You know, we've done, you know, and not just in terms of 
you know, the intervention group and the control group stuff with an RCT, but also in terms of the qualitative of why it makes a difference in terms of more ethnographic type research. So this is a free good. It's not something that we're, you know, we're licensing and holding like a McDonald's, you know. It's actually something we want to share with people. I think, and I certainly would advocate very strongly, that we consider maybe doing a pilot, a pilot, uh, if somebody was interested, in a pilot study with health professionals where, you know, we, we look to see, try the program out, see did it improve empathy for people and, and of course, get their feedback on what was useful and not useful. They, sometimes the problem with these things, though, is that very often um, it's a bit like parenting program. Most people who do parenting programs don't need to do it. Most people who need to do pro- parenting programs won't do it. And my fear would be that the health professionals who would put up their hands around Ireland to do this program will be the ones who uh, probably don't need to do it as much. But that's me being a bit negative. Um, but I think next steps, I, I mean, I, as I said, and, and, and really enjoyed the, the uh, conference that we had lately uh, in, in the Royal College. As I said on my paper that day, I actually think, I feel so strongly about this that it should be compulsory education. Uh, and uh, that, I know that sounds very extreme, but you know, if you think about it, what's quality, how do we quality assure professionalism in the health professions or any profession? So I think starting with a pilot, try it out and see if it works and see if it has any benefit and take it slowly from there. And I'd be, for what it's worth, I'm very happy to support this any way I can. Well, Pat, that is music uh, to our ears and I'm sure to the ears of our listeners as well uh, here at RCSI, uh, you know, it's uh, number one in the world uh, for, for good health and, and, and well-being. Um, we, we pride ourselves in being innovative in that space and, and uh, we have a very diverse student body both here in Dublin and in Bahrain and many uh, very good collaborations with uh, the Medical Council through Susan and others. So we'd be delighted to take that forward with you. So that brings us very nicely to uh, our closing uh, section. Before we finish our chat, uh, Pat, I, I suppose uh, not to leave our listeners uh, in suspense, uh, if you had to put it into one sentence um, or, or one phrase, what, what would be the most important lesson uh, on empathy that uh, you would like to leave uh, hanging there with our listeners, uh, something they could reflect on going forward? Well, it's, it, it's, uh, I'm going to be uh, autobiographical. It's one of my own faults I'm going to mention. Is the capacity, of t- as my mother said, you have two ears and one mouth, and for good reason in that proportion. So one of the most important qualities in empathy is actually to connect and be a good listener and non-judgmental. So even some, and, you know, and reserving judgment is incredibly important. Uh, and, you know, I, I think work is work, but life is life, and... Uh, Giving people time, I think, is probably the most one of the most important part. It's what oils the empathy engine: time and listening. That's fantastic, Pat, and, and I think we all should uh, take that uh, on board and use that in our daily lives and, and, and practice. So I'd like to thank you, Pat. Um, on that note, um, our guest, Professor Pat Dolan, uh, we'd like to thank him very much for sharing his experience and personal reflections. Thank you for listening to this episode of Professionalism Matters uh, podcast series on empathy. Uh, broadcast from the Centre for Professionalism in Medicine and Health Sciences at the Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland. I hope you have enjoyed it, and if you have, I would like to invite you to please tell your colleagues and friends. And if you would like to know more about the topic discussed or this podcast uh, series, uh, please look at our podcast description for further information. If you are new to podcasts, perhaps listening for the first time, 
please make sure you subscribe to the channel and uh, that will make listening easier in future. You can access this podcast or any other in the series on all the major apps. And for more information on the team, on our experts or on medical professionalism in general, or if you would like to have your CPD recognised for listening to this podcast, please look at Professionalism Matters podcast series, the description and links. And remember, professionalism matters, do matter. And goodbye for now. Thank you.